Welcome to the Life Fellowship Ministries International Broadcast. Our mission is to develop, maintain, and model personal intimacy with Jesus Christ. And now, join us for the Life Fellowship Experience. And, uh, today's message is going to be a little bit different. Um, but before I go there, I want to thank everybody that helped out with the sunrise service. It was a great service, a beautiful service, and had a lot of good positive feedback about it. And I want to thank all of you that volunteered. Give yourselves a hand. You would think with all, all the things that went on and, and as well as everything was done that it was a huge number of volunteers, uh, m many more volunteers than what we actually had. So you guys did an exemplary job, and uh, I know that the Lord is, was and is doing something through that service and impacting the community and the lives of the people in this area. So thank you again for all that, and we look forward to next year doing the same thing. All right. Uh, so I'm starting this new series called Commitment. And before I get into the message, I want to give a little bit of background maybe a, a bit more background than what I would normally do, talking about the children of Israel and kind of the history of the book of Deuteronomy. Scholars believe that the, the book was written by Moses between 1407 and 1406 B.C., and that the summary was actually done by Joshua. We know that Moses did not enter into the Promised Land because Basically, God told him when the children of Israel were in the wilderness to, to speak to the rock to bring water forth, and he struck the rock. And uh, in, in, the, in times past, the one time before, the Lord had told him to strike the rock. And so uh, he's, he's leading probably, scholars would estimate, maybe a couple of million people in the wilderness. And they were crying out, and they're going, we don't, we don't have any water to drink and for our animals. And we were better off in Egypt and all of those things. And, and so Moses goes to the Lord and says, what do I do? And that's when he tells him to speak to the rock, although he had struck it before. And so when he comes out, he actually strikes the rock twice and he yells at the people. And he says, must we bring forth water from this uh, rock for you? Uh, uh, apparently, uh, speaking of him and Aaron instead of God bringing forth the, the water from the rock. So anyway... Because of that, uh, the Lord told him, told Moses, you did not trust me with this and you did not demonstrate my holiness. Therefore, you will not enter into the promised land, which may seem like a really harsh punishment. But when you think about Moses' role and responsibility to lead these people and representing God, God takes leadership and he takes obedience very, very seriously. And uh, we know that, that uh, Moses was a great man of God, but because of that disobedience and because of what he did, it, he, he was uh, not able to go into the promised land, although he was able to see it. Um, so today I'm, I'm going to be talking a little bit about commitment. I'm going to be talking about our, our obedience. But before I get into that a little bit more, I want to talk about the Exodus. When the, the Hebrew slaves were delivered, uh, God sent Moses to deliver the Hebrew slaves 
And you know the story that uh, they went through the sea and God parted the sea for them and they went through on dry land and then the Egyptian army was chasing after them and God closed the sea over them and drowned them. And so they had been through all of these different experiences but I wanted to, to mention, too, that it's believed that the exodus, the exit, the uh, Hebrew slaves were delivered and exited Egypt in around 1450 B.C., uh, maybe, as, as, uh, maybe around 1300 B.C., some uh, scholars believe. So there's some discrepancy. But what I found is that I think that's based on two different scriptures. And I, I just wanted to talk a little bit about this so that you'll have a, a better background on what was happening but in 1 Kings chapter 6, verse 1, the scripture says that 480 years after the exodus, Solomon's temple was built. And scholars believe that his temple was built in 966 B.C., around that time, based on history and, and records and things like that. So if you take 966 and add 480 to that, that would be 400, I mean, uh, 1400 and. 60, uh, 46 B.C. when the temple was, uh, was actually built. And, uh, and, and so then the, the other group think, that thinks that maybe the, the Exodus happened in 1300 B.C. is based on Exodus chapter 1 verse 14 where it talks about Ramses had the Israelites build, uh, build uh, cities. And Ramses was... Um, in authority. He was the Pharaoh around the 1300s. But the thing that, that scholars have talked about, and, and I think is pretty well known, Ramses was the second, Ramses the Great, was very self-absorbed in promoting himself. himself. And so a lot of times what would happen when these pharaohs or these kings would go and build something, a city or whatever, they would stamp their name on it. But the pharaohs or kings that would come after them many times would go and erase the original <laughs> builder and put their name on there. And apparently uh, uh, Ramses was very well known for doing that. So it's believed that, that the exodus actually happened uh, around the 1450 B.C. time period and not around the 1300 B.C. time period when Ramses was living because... Um, he was known for, for changing uh, or taking credit for things that he didn't, didn't uh, build. And so I hope this is not too confusing or too boring to you. But uh, I found that it was really interesting that um, in addition to all this background, the Houston Museum of Natural Science has the Ramses II or Ramses the Great exhibit right now at, at the Houston Museum, and I went there, and I found that it was really fascinating to see how uh, the, the, the Hebrew slaves lived when they were in captivity and some of the things that were built and accomplished through the Egyptian pharaohs, and I think that exhibit is here till May 23rd, so Anyway, I found it really fascinating to go back and look and see how with the technology that they had, or the lack of technology they had, what they were able to build. But uh, this series is, is titled Commitment, and today I'll be talking about the intro, and I just wanted to give a little bit of background so we would kind of see what, was, what had been happening uh, that, that Moses was dealing with here in the book of Deuteronomy. He was reminding them about their past, and he's encouraging the people 
to enter into the promised land. He's talking, he was talking to them about their history, the blessings, the protection, the deliverance for their ancestors because they could look back and see in their history how God had protected and delivered their ancestors through hundreds of years before. And also, you know, just a few years before um, they were in the wilderness here, they had been delivered from Egypt. And so Moses was reminding them of all the things that the Lord had done, remembering who God is. And he was really emphasizing not to worship other gods because if you think about it, when they were in Egypt for 400 years, the Egyptians worshipped all these other pagan gods, and, and so they, were, they had been immersed in that environment. So Moses was always reiterating, when you go to the promised land, when you make it to the promised land, and you're interacting with the people there, the tribes that are already there, don't get caught up in their cultures and the worship of their idols and their evil uh, ways they would sacrifice their children and things like that. He said, look, don't get caught up in all of that. Remain faithful to me and worship only me. And he was reminding them of God's faithfulness to, uh, toward them and their ancestors. He was reminding them of the miracles and the provision and the promises of God. And the purpose was to prepare them to possess the promised land to review God's laws and instructions with them and renew their, or review their commitment, the covenant, and the contract that they had made with God. Because Moses knew that when they went to the promised land, they were probably going to be very tempted to um, accept and adopt the cultures of, of the peoples around them. In fact, remember when, uh, when they were in the wilderness, they built a, a golden calf. And so already they had this propensity to worship other gods, pagan gods. And so Moses was trying to encourage them to really stay committed to the Lord. Be hopeful, continue to follow the Lord, listen and obey what the Lord had given them, and continue to develop their relationship with the Lord, but also remain committed to Him. You know that uh, you know the answer to this question, but how did? What are the three ways children learn? Example, example, and example. So, what can we learn when we go back and we read these scriptures and we read the stories and the history of what the Israelites had done, where they obeyed and where they disobeyed, and the results of those things? So, my first point this morning is the Bible gives us truths and principles and applications for us to live the abundant life that Jesus came to give us. So we can look at the Scripture, we can look at the history, we can see how others succeeded, how others failed, because of following after the things that the Lord had given them and us to do. And so the Lord doesn't leave us stranded. The Word is full of truths and principles to help us live the abundant life as we go out and live it. Yes. Amen. One of the greatest gifts that God has given us is the gift of free will and choice. And my first point this morning is our obedience is critical. So what are the choices that we're making? Are we implementing and, and uh, applying the Word of God in our life to develop our relationship with Him? We talk a lot about in Life Fellowship about developing our relationship with the Lord, maintaining that relationship with Him. And so the Word gives us 
the, the application where we can live this thing out in a real and a practical manner to not only develop and maintain that relationship, but to model that uh, to the world and the people around us, to choosing to yield to the Lord and choosing to follow His instructions. Those are choices that we make every day. So we're going to look at Deuteronomy chapter 1, verses 5-8. through 8. While the Israelites were in the land of Moab, east of the Jordan River, Moses carefully explained the Lord's instructions as follows. When we were at Mount Sinai, the Lord our God said to us, You have stayed at this mountain long enough. And so there were times when the Lord would say, Okay, it's time to move. And you know how He would move. He would move by the, the pillar of fire at night and the cloud by day. And so they had to be aware of the Lord and what He was doing. Like we need the sensitivity of the Holy Spirit to know what the Lord is doing in order to know how to navigate through the challenges of life. So he's, the Lord uh, told Moses, it's time to break camp and move on. Go to the hill country of the Amorites and to all the neighboring regions. So he's telling them where they're going to be going. He's giving them some advance warning of the peoples that they're going to be interacting with. And some of those were enemies of Israel. It's time to break camp, uh, go to the hill country of the Amorites and to all the neighboring regions. Verse 7 continues, the Jordan Valley, the hill country, the western foothills, foothills, the Negev, and the coastal plain. Go to the land of the Canaanites and to Lebanon and all the way to the great Euphrates River. So he's telling them the land that they're going to occupy. He's telling them where they're going to go. And in verse 8 he says, look, I am giving all this land to you. He had been telling uh, them for, for generations that, that he was going to deliver them and, and bring them into the promised land and that he had a place set up for them. And now the Lord is, is saying, okay, we've been, I've been telling you this for years. Your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that, that their descendants would be as numerous as as the stars in the sky, now's the time. I'm doing this now. So he says, look, I'm giving you all this land. And then he says, go in and occupy it. For it is the land the Lord swore to give to your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and to all their descendants. So he's telling them to take possession of it. Imagine that someone comes to you and they say, hey, I have this this really nice house, and I want to give it to you. Here are the keys. You wouldn't go just sit in the driveway or the street and look at the house and say, oh, wow, that's a beautiful house. Look at the, the trees and the flower bed, and I wonder what it's like inside. You would take possession of it. And so God was telling the children of Israel, go and take possession of what I am, have already provided for you, what I am providing for you. So my first point is oh, oh, our obedience is critical. My second point is that sometimes blessings require battle. Sometimes we have to press in when God has told us to take possession and occupy. And so we're praying for these communities around us. We're praying for Jesus' revival. We're praying for a change that people's hearts and lives would be touched and changed. God has placed us here 
this is where we occupy. And so we need to be doing the spiritual work. We need to be praying for people that they come into this relationship with the Lord. And then we need to be doing all the things that God has called us to do, to occupy, to make a difference in the world around us. But the key for them and the key for us as well is that we need, we need to remain connected to the Lord. That is the key. Because without the Lord's provision, protection, help, the Israelites were not successful when they chose to disobey. But whenever they would obey the Lord and do what he asked them to do, they would succeed. And so the same is, is true for us. Let's skip ahead to Deuteronomy chapter 27. Uh, we're going to look at verses 1 and then 14 through 26. Then Moses and the leaders of Israel gave this charge to the people. Obey all these commandments that I'm giving you today. Not some, but he's saying it's important that you obey all of these commandments. And so the leaders begin by telling the people some things to avoid. In Deuteronomy 27, 14. Then the Levites, who were the religious leaders, they were the, the priests and, and uh, religious leaders, the Levites will shout to all the people of Israel. Now, have you ever been in a church service where there's a responsive reading, somebody reads something, and then you reciprocate, and, you know, well, that's what I think was going on here. And so in Deuteronomy 27, 15, the Levites are shouting out to the people, Cursed is anyone who carves or casts an idol and secretly sets it up. These idols, uh, these idols, the work of craftsmen, are detestable to the Lord. Time after time after time after time, Moses was telling the people, do not worship other gods. Why would he be telling them that? Because they had come from cultures where they had worshipped multiple gods. They were going into a promised land where the people there were worshiping these pagan gods and doing all kinds of evil and wicked things in, in the, the guise of religion. And so, uh, you know, they had the Ten Commandments. Honor the Lord. Have no other gods before you. They knew all these things, but yet Moses continued to hammer this down because he knew that they needed uh, this encouragement. Verse 27, 15 continues, And all the people will say, Amen. Then verse 16, Cursed is anyone who dishonors father or mother. And all the people will reply, Amen. Verse 17, Cursed is anyone who steals property from a neighbor by moving a boundary marker. And all the people will reply, Amen. Back then, they didn't have uh, GPS positioning systems and all the things that we do now. They had markers for their territory, their, their land, their property. And so it would probably be pretty easy for somebody to come along and just move a marker. And then the owner comes and says, well, I, 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 thought, I thought this was my property here. It was 200 feet from that tree and, you know, whatever. And so they're saying, Moses is saying, the Lord is saying, don't steal property from a neighbor. He's talking about things that are, are practical, but he's talking about integrity, being honest. And all the people will say amen. Curse is anyone who leads a blind person astray on the road. Now why would this be in there? 
Apparently they did that. Hey, watch this. Let's trick this guy. And he ends up walking into a, a brick wall or something. He's saying, don't lead a blind person astray on the road. And all the people will, will reply, amen. Curse is anyone who denies justice to foreigners, orphans, or widows. And all the people will say amen. They're saying, be just. Take care. We know that, that uh, we're commanded to take care of widows and orphans. Cursed is anyone who has sexual intercourse with one of his father's wives, for he has violated his father. Again, if there wasn't a reason for Moses to be reiterating these things, he wouldn't, why would he be saying these things? Because apparently there was some of the stuff going on. And all the people will reply, Amen. Verse 21, Curses anyone who has sexual intercourse with an animal. Must have been happening, or they must have had a propensity for that. It's wicked and weird and unusual and as that would be, and all the people reply, Amen. Curses anyone who has sexual intercourse with his sister, whether she is the daughter of his father or his mother. And all the people will re reply, Amen. Curses anyone who has sexual intercourse with his mother-in-law. Ooh. <laughs> Sorry, mother-in-law, she's in heaven, but yeah, no. And all the people will reply, Amen. It's interesting how many times in Scripture we find that we are to abstain from sexual immorality. And think of all the people that have failed in that. Think of all the religious leaders who have fallen because of that. Think of all the, the issues that it creates in marriages and homes when there's sexual immorality. Curses anyone who attacks a neighbor in secret, and all the people will reply, Amen. I was thinking about this. I was thinking about attacking a neighbor in secret. Does the neighbor know they're being attacked? Uh, no. They would know they're being attacked, I'm sure. But what about not just a physical attack, but what about gossip? What about spreading lies about a neighbor? False, false, uh, false lies and, and telling people uh, things that are not true. Curses anyone who attacks a neighbor in secret. Curses anyone who accepts payment to kill an innocent person. And all the people will reply, Amen. Curses anyone who does not affirm and obey the terms of these instructions. And all the people will reply, amen. So Moses and the Levites, are, they're saying, look, let's start here. These are the things that you definitely need to abstain from. So my first point, again, is our obedience is critical. It was critical for them as they would take the promised land and, and live the kind of life that God had called them to live, it's critical for us now, today. Sometimes our blessings require battle. Sometimes we just have to press through. There are times when we just need to stand. The Word says, when you've done all you can to stand, therefore stand. And there are times we just need to take the authority and dominion that God has given us and pray in Jesus' name that those things be done. Or those things be cast aside? Or those, those things be broken? Do you know people that are bound up and all kinds of things? Sometimes we just need to pray, God, break those chains. Break those addictions off those family members and those people that I love. 
We pray for health and healing and wholeness, spiritual, mental, physical, in the lives of the people that are suffering. We need to pray those things for ourselves too. Lord God, I pray your protection over us. Pray that you would continue to keep us healthy and strong, that you would help us to obey you. The third point is God has given us free will. Choose wisely. In Deuteronomy 28, 1 through 14, again, this is all in Deuteronomy. And, in, and I'll be talking about Deuteronomy 30 uh, in, in probably next week. And where Moses is trying to prepare the people to enter in, take possession, occupy the promised land. And I know he's talking to the Israelites here, but he's talking to us today too. He says in Deuteronomy 28, chapter 1, If you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully keep all his commands, we know that whenever the word says if, it's conditional. If you do this, I will do that. If you don't do this, or if you disobey. Delayed obedience is disobedience. If you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully keep all His commands that I am giving you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the world. The tribes and the people that lived in the promised land had heard about the exploits and the things that, that God had done for the children of Israel. They knew some of the things that God had done, the miraculous things that the Lord had done. And God is saying, I'll set you high above all the nations. Think about even today, Israel, a little bitty nation. But yet God keeps his hand of protection upon them. Deuteronomy 28.2, you will experience all these blessings if you obey the Lord your God. Again, another conditional promise here. If you obey him, these are the blessings that you can expect. Your towns and your fields will be blessed. We want to live in a blessed town. We want to live in a blessed community. And we're, we're not farmers and we're not ranchers. Most of us aren't. But if we were, and most of the people back then were, it would be important that their fields would be blessed. He goes on to say, your children and your crops will be blessed. What does that mean, your children will be blessed? Maybe they won't struggle with some of the things that you've seen other children struggle with. Maybe they'll be strong and healthy. Maybe they'll have a great relationship with the Lord. Maybe they won't fall into some of the traps that you and I maybe have fallen into. Your children and your crops will be blessed. The offspring of your herds and flocks will be blessed. What does that mean? They were probably healthy. They were probably prolific. They had lots of uh, animals that, that were breeding and, and, and giving birth to more animals. And so their crops were increasing. They were healthy. They were strong. Your fruit baskets and breadboards will be blessed. There'll be plenty of fruit. You'll be able to have plenty of bread. You'll have plenty to eat. Wherever you go and whatever you do, you will be blessed. So if we missed it over here, we've got it captured right here. Wherever you go, whatever you do will be blessed. These were the promises for the Israelites. 
I believe that they're applicable to us today when we choose to obey. God is wanting to bless our lives. And please hear me, this is not a prosperity message. Give $77 and you're going to get a Rolex or a Mercedes Benz. But this is the word of God that he wants to bless our lives. You want to bless your children, right? Your grandchildren? Well, our Heavenly Father is the same way. He says, wherever you go, whatever you do, you will be blessed. But what did he say at the beginning in verse 1? If you will obey all the commandments that I'm giving you, that is the key. Because how many of us have tried to do it on our own and end up in places we don't want to end up? Going through things we didn't really want to go through because we chose to disobey the Word of God and follow His command and listen to the Holy Spirit and obey? Wherever you go, whatever you do, you will be blessed. The Lord will conquer your enemies when they attack you. He's telling them, in effect, hey, you're gonna, when you occupy the land, there's going to be some resistance. But when they attack you, let's read the rest of it. They will attack you from one direction, but they will scatter from you in seven. Because God is going before them. God is protecting them. And Moses, the Lord, is trying to give them some confidence. Listen, when you see the army coming, don't, don't be fearful. Know that I'm going before you, and I will defeat your enemies. The Lord will guarantee a blessing on everything you do and will fill your storehouses with grain. That would be like today. The Lord will bless everything you do and fill your bank account with gold. Because the storehouses were their reserves. That was the product that they would sell to make money or, or whatever if they were farmers. And so he's, he's saying he's guaranteeing. He's guaranteeing a supernatural blessing on everything they do. The Lord your God will bless you in the land He's giving you. If you obey the commands of the Lord your God and walk in His ways, the Lord will establish you as His holy people as He swore He would do. He would establish them. He would solidify them. Not only in the land, but as His holy people. He says also in verse 10, then the nations of the world will see that you are a people claimed by the Lord, and they will stand in awe of you. Because they will see the hand of God on their life. They will see that they are a blessed people. They will see the provision of God. You know what? People around us should be seeing that in our lives. They should say, man, why did that guy get a promotion? Why did that guy, why is that guy so blessed? Because we have the favor of God and because we are choosing to obey and follow Him, God wants to bless us. He's not some man with a gray beard sitting up on a throne casting down lightning bolts to strike people. That's why He gives us His Word so that we can apply this, so we can live this out in our life and we can be successful in all the things the Lord calls us to do. The Lord will give you prosperity in the land He swore to give your ancestors. The Lord will give you prosperity in the land he swore to your ancestors to give you, blessing you with many children, numerous livestock, and abundant crops. So he's saying he's going to bless the land, he's going to bless the people, he's going to bless everything. Wherever they go, whatever they did, they would be blessed. 
The Lord will send rain at the proper time from his rich treasury in the heavens and bless all the work you do. I have a friend that's a farmer. And he said, man, if you need the rain at the right times. In the growing season, it, it needs to be come at the right time. If it rains too much at the end when it's time to harvest, you can't get your tractors in the field to, to get the, the harvest out. The crop is ruined. And what God is saying, he says, I'm going to supernaturally bless. I'm going to rain. Okay, look. Okay, let's rain right now. Okay, yeah, this is going to bring an uh, uh, optimal crop if, if it gets uh, rain right now. Because the plants need a certain, um, uh, the crops need a certain amount of moisture content. And so it's a whole process. I mean, you've grown stuff. And, and so the Lord is saying, I will, at the proper time, I'm not just going to send rain, but he says, I will send rain at the proper time and bless all the work you do. You will lend to many nations, but you will never need to borrow from them. In other words, you're going to have enough resources to help other people, but you're going to be so blessed that you won't ever have to get help from them. And so there's, there's another element here that we need to realize when we're blessed, we get to help people. God is blessing us so that we can be a blessing to other people. And last series was about biblical stewardship. We talked about handling God's money correctly, handling his resources, not being so bound up in debt, you're stressed out all the time, and you don't have any, anything to help anybody else. So there's a principle here where God is saying we need to be able to help people but we have to have resources in order to do that. So therefore, we need to be good stewards of what God has given us. And I'm not just talking about money, but our time, our talents, and our treasures. He goes on to say in verse 13, If you listen to these commandments of the Lord your God that I'm giving you today, and if you what? Carefully, diligently obey them, the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. And you will always be on top and never at the bottom. You must not turn away from any of the commands I'm giving you today, nor follow after other gods and worship them. So he's closing it out and he's saying, man, I've been telling you don't worship these other gods. Don't fall for this, this other stuff that's going on in the culture that you're going to be uh, immersing in or you're going to be crossing paths with. Stay true to me. And I think that's what the Lord would say to us today. Don't be distracted. Stay focused on Him. Stay committed to Him. If you will obey, these are the blessings that we can expect. So our, our points are our obedience is critical. Sometimes blessings require battle. Sometimes we just have to take the territory we have to occupy. And God has given us free will. Choose wisely.